Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Apple Presentations with Matt Volbrecht. I am Mika, and I'm hosting the room, and Matt is going to be the facilitator. For those of you who are on Zoom, we are on webinar. Um, which means that your screen is going to look a little bit different than normal. Um, than normal. So all of you, um, unless you are Matt and his team or Tyson, you all the rest of you are muted. Um, and we'll stay that way until it is time for questions and answers. And um, thank you to everyone listening on ACB Radio. We are we are so excited. And Matt, it's the stage is yours, my friend. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mika. And, and thanks to everybody. Uh, certainly, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, we really appreciate and always look forward to these times together. And uh, this is going to be ever so slightly different today. Um, and, and when I had planned for this, I was operating under the assumption that we are getting close to the release of new Apple products. And I still believe that to be true. But Apple never reveals that stuff very much ahead of time. So we don't have launch dates for you. We don't have specifics about upcoming iPhones or anything like that. We don't know any of that stuff. There's a lot of rumors floating around, but nothing confirmed by Apple. Uh, there's, you know, people tend to follow Apple like paparazzi. So we could talk all day about um, the rumors that are out there, but that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. What I wanted to do was to talk to you about the kinds of things you might think about when looking at Apple's new products, and specifically the iPhones, because that's usually what are released in the fall uh, more than anything else. And the question often arises, should I upgrade? Do I need a new phone? Is my phone going to last another year? Uh, which iPhone should I get? Um, should I buy the iPhone from my carrier or from Apple? And a lot of questions like this. These are very, very common questions. And all of these and more are questions that we're going to attempt to answer today. And I believe I'm already joined by Trainer Cliff. I know that Rita was hoping to join. I know she was uh, had a couple different things to juggle today. So I'm not sure if she's made it in yet. Uh, I'm here. Oh, you are here. All right. All right. Great. Well, glad to have both of you. All right. Terrific. So they'll be, uh, they'll be contributing as well here as, as we get going. Um, and, and just to start out, just to really, uh, get into the, the sense of this thing. Um, Rita, what's the most common question you get asked? Cause I know we've talked about this, these things. What, what is the most common question you get asked when it comes to buying new iPhones or, you know, that sort of thing? Oh gosh, which which one? <laughs> you know, which, which one? Should right. I, yeah, exactly. Which one? How, how do I make sense of it all? Which one should I get? That's right. Correct. That's right. Well, to give you an idea of um, our background, I think that uh, both Cliff and Rita. Now, guys, correct me if I'm wrong. You both have 11 Pro Max iPhones. Is that right? Correct. Okay, and then I, I have the i. What's I'm that? Sure Rita? I think Cliff has that also. I think, I think so too. And then uh, I have the iPhone 11. Um, 
in red, if anybody's wondering, because that's the one that is in five or six different colors. And even though I can't see, I do like the colors. So that is the color I have. Um, we've got about one of every color almost in, in our family and extended family. We got, I have red, uh, I think, uh, I think my son has purple, green, green, maybe somebody's got purple. I don't know. A lot of different colors you can get. So this is the current lineup. Okay. This is this year's models that, that were actually released in the fall of 2019 that we're dealing with right now. We don't know what's coming this fall. Is it iPhone 12? Is it, you know, again, there's a lot of rumors, but we don't know. So we're not going to be able to talk about specifics with you in that sense. What I'm going to do is give you an idea of what the lineup is now so that at least you begin to have a feel for how Apple tends to do things. Now, of course, they can do anything they want. They could change their mind this year. But knowing a little bit about, as with many things, knowing uh, you know a little bit about how they've done things in the past is often a, a good indicator of how uh, things will look at the next, uh, release, which is, is, you know, planned for, I imagine sometime late September, early October, something like that. Um, and so the, the first question that I really do want to talk about, and I really do want to address is, should I upgrade or, or maybe another way to say it is, do I need to upgrade? You know, what should I think about? What are the kinds of things that might influence this decision? So, you know, technology is different than just about anything else that we know of and just about anything else that we work with in the world, right? So technology changes so rapidly that you're seeing brand new products every single year. And it's really something outside of our realm of understanding because anything else in the world just doesn't work like that. You know, the, the 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 media and and technology enthusiasts and bloggers and so on they're all over this and you know if if apple or google or any of these other tech companies if they don't do enough to satisfy the media you know if they don't do what the media perceives as enough you start hearing comments about you know how have these companies lost their will to innovate and all these things i mean it's crazy because there's nothing else out there like it you know the toothpaste that I use looks the same as the toothpaste I bought five years ago. Every time I buy a tube of toothpaste, it's the same looking thing. And, you know, maybe once in a while, you know, I've gone from uh, crest complete to crest something else, you know, but, but basically it's, it's overall, it's the same. And nobody's complaining that Colgate or crest have lost their will to innovate. See, it's just different than anything else we deal with. Technology changes so fast that these companies are actually expected now to release new things every single year. And they've been able to live up to that so far. You know, the way that new technology becomes available and it becomes possible to make things smaller and more powerful, whatever the trend is at that time, right? But you're going to see these things every year. So the question is, how often do I really need to upgrade? Well, I think the first thing that we would do well to keep in mind is the fact that technology changes so rapidly. So we're going to have to upgrade pretty consistently, right? Because what will happen if I don't? What, what's the problem? And, and what kinds of things can happen if I don't upgrade pretty often? All right, now we're going to talk about just how often that pretty often is here in a moment. But let, let's just address this first. What are the kinds of things that can happen if I don't upgrade at least somewhat regularly? My phone is getting older, okay? 
And my battery is getting less and less because that's just what happens with batteries over years, right? So that's one thing we know. We know that the uh, you know, the battery won't last as long on a single charge, you know, after uh, a few years. And we know that the phone itself will not function as quickly as it used to because new software is much more demanding than the old software was. And so over time, new iOS versions and so on will, will appear to put more of a strain on the device simply because they're doing new things that these phones were not designed to do when the phone was designed nobody thought that ios would you know whatever you can name anything you want to name you know all the new features that came out in ios 13 and and you can as a tech company you can fruit you can you can future proof excuse me but you, you can only future proof to a certain extent because nobody knows exactly how that evolution of the technology is going to take place you have ideas you have a, a product pipeline and a a roadmap but you know, any one of a number of influences can can change that. Uh, so it's very difficult to, you know, to say now, well, I'm going to make an iPhone 11 uh, that's going to work even on, you know, iOS 16 or something down there. It's very, very difficult for a company to say that, even though we think that they ought to be able to, right? And so they are going to begin to get slower over time. Now, there are some other things, though, that are more subtle that we might not necessarily think about that have a bigger influence than we may realize. For one thing, I want to talk about changing standards. And when I'm talking about changing standards, I'm usually referring to the web. I mean, using the internet is a, is a crucial part of what most of us do every day. We need to be able to have not only a pleasant and enjoyable experience on the web, maybe a productive experience if we're using it for productivity, but we also want to have a safe experience. And because we want to have a pleasant and fun and productive and safe and secure experience on the web, not only are operating systems changing, but website standards are changing. And there are actually, believe it or not, there are agencies, there are consortiums that, that work with this stuff and these standards, right, for what you see on the web and how media can be presented and how forms can be presented and all these sorts of different things. The World Wide Web Consortium makes these decisions and changes standards over time in order to improve the experience and to protect consumers. And in order for software and hardware to maximize the potential of those new standards, then that software and hardware has to be updated. And the old versions are eventually deprecated and they're, they're discontinued. And so the result of that is, for example, if you were to take an original iPhone, the one that was introduced back in 2007 to uproarious applause and rave reviews, if you were to try to use current versions of apps on that iPhone, most of them would not even function. Not just because there's not enough storage space or there's not enough memory, but because the basic technology behind them is no longer functional. For example, even if you were to launch the YouTube app on an original iPhone, you would not be able to play any videos. You would just get error messages because the entire structure of YouTube standards has changed. And the only way to keep up with these standards is to keep up 
with the software. And while this usually doesn't happen in a single year, multiple years of not updating will indeed result in this kind of uh, result eventually. And so sometimes people get in their minds, well, yeah, I know my phone can't run iOS 13 or 14, but I don't need it because I'm fine with iOS 12. It does everything I need it to do. Maybe for now, that's true. But at some point, those standards are going to change again because that's just the way technology works. And when they do, even if iOS 12 is still running beautifully for you on your device, it's no longer going to be capable of doing what it can do now because everything else has changed. And so when apps are updated and websites are updated, suddenly there's something now that's not compatible. And there's not much that can be done about that. So that's one important thing to keep in mind when it comes to standards changes. The other standard that changes is the communication standards. And I'm talking about Wi-Fi. I'm talking about cellular connectivity. I'm talking about Bluetooth. All of these things change too. Some of you have heard terms like Wi-Fi 6, which is the newest one, and terms like 5G, which is another new one. Now, it's at first glance, it appears to be well, 5G and Wi-Fi 6 are still a ways off and they're not really needed. You know, the previous versions do everything just fine. And that is true. Let me be very clear that right now at this particular second, that is absolutely true. But it's not always going to be true. At some point, and it could be next year, it could be five years from now, but at some point, Wi-Fi 6 and 5G will be all but required to do what we want to do. And these old standards, they're doing so well for us right now that our current standards will be things of the past and we'll have to move on. And so there again is a case where the only way to solve that problem is to keep your devices as current as possible. Now this has a much bigger impact on things because in the long run, what it also ensures is that we are getting the latest security updates that protect us against vulnerabilities in Wi-Fi, public networks that protect us against viruses and spyware and malware and all sorts of other potential security threats. We want to be protected against these things. And one of the most important things we can do to ensure that protection is to keep our software and as a result, our hardware up to date. So while it might not seem maybe that somebody necessarily needs the speed that Wi-Fi 6 or 5G offers, at some point there will be something about that that will make it the only standard that can that you can use. And it's sort of like, you know, the HD war has been over an HD one several years ago, right? I mean, you can't buy a television without HD now. And most modern boxes, not only the Apple TV, yes, that's certainly one of them, but not only that. You know, even your cable boxes now from Comcast or, or any of these companies, look at how they connect to your TV. And there's typically only one way now, and that's through HDMI. And guess what? Pretty soon, 4K will be in that same boat. And the same thing will be true. At some point, it will be almost impossible to buy a television without 4K in it. And so I think that's a good analogy to keep in mind when we're looking at this to help us to understand exactly what we're talking about here, why it's so important to keep up to date. So now we have to go. Matt. Yeah. Hey. It's almost impossible to buy a TV without 4K now. Yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> I mean, I seriously went into Walmart yesterday and all the TVs that were on the shelf were 4K. I mean, they're relatively cheap because 4K is in high demand now. You know, if the demand goes up, the price goes down. And that's basically what we're at now. Yeah. So. 
I mean, you might be able to go into, you know, a pawn shop or something like that, but the big names like Walmart, Sam's Club, Best Buy, you go in there, you're finding the 4K TV. Yeah, and, and they have come down in price significantly. Yeah, you know that because you just got one a couple of weeks ago. That's right. That's right. And you told me a couple of years ago, oh, I'm never going to get a 4K TV. I don't need it. I can't see it. Ain't that what you told me? Well, I, I did. I said I, I said I have no plans to do it in the foreseeable future. That's right. That's yeah, right. you did say that, though. So. Yeah. But, you know, we all know. I mean, that's the thing with, with technology. That's, you know, and this is hard for some of us because sometimes we're sentimental, too, about things. And, and that's especially true for my wife, but it's true for me also. You know, you get these products and sometimes depending on when you got them or what you were doing when you got them, you know, in my case, two young kids, maybe my son or my daughter and I picked them out together. And so that's always going to have a special place in your heart. And you feel like you're, you know, betraying that when you get the new one. But here's the bottom line. Technology evolves and you have to stay with it if you're actually going to use tech. And for us being most of us, I think, visually impaired, you know, in a lot of ways, it becomes our lifeline. So it's a lot more to us than just this device that we happen to carry around at times. And so this beautiful iPad that I have, which I absolutely love right now, at some point, and it may be a while, I'd like to keep it for several years. I say that now, we'll see what happens, but I'd like to keep it for several years. But there's going to come a point when that device is going to be an old device. And I'm going to have to just move on to the new, next new one that's going to be the best thing at that time. So it's a, it's definitely a, 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 a shift in mentality that has to occur, I think, for us to truly be on board with this. And some people uh, can do it more easily than others. My dad still struggles with it. He loves technology. You know, he, he has his iPad with him everywhere he goes. And, you know, they've got tons of Apple TVs and all kinds of home automation stuff, you know, and so they're, they're not in any way resistant to technology. But my dad still struggles with the concept of why, if this is the best thing now, why two years from now is it not even adequate for me? You know, why do I need to totally move on? So that's, that's part A of this discussion. Now, part B is, though, how often do I really need to update? And that becomes a bit more of personal preference now. So for me, I have never kept an iPhone longer than two years. And this last time, it was just at the mark. I mean, I just paid off my iPhone XR when I got the, um, the iPhone 11. So I guess that wasn't even two years. It had been a year. I guess I've never kept an iPhone longer than a year and a half. Now, I, I tend to keep the iPads ever so slightly longer. But but that even is, you know, people talk about, well, how does your battery, you know, because I don't do a lot to, I, I don't get too worked up about my battery because I feel like if you have to worry about your battery, then this product that was designed to make your life easier is actually making it harder if you have to stop and think, well, I got to charge it for this long, this many times. And, you know, so I don't do that. And people say to me, well, if you don't do that, how long does your battery, how many years does your battery actually last? To which I always say, I wouldn't know because I've never kept one long enough for, for it to matter. So for me, I am upgrading. Have I ever missed an upgrade cycle, guys, on the team? <laughs> Has there ever been one that I haven't gotten now? From, from the 3GS all the way to now? I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I think I've had every one of them. I mean, I didn't get the 8s because I went right to the 10. But I, I don't think I, I... I really wasn't planning on getting the 11, uh, except that I ended up switching carriers and it just made sense. And so I... Uh, I always say, oh, I might not get this next one. I'll say that now about the skip 12. The, I might uh, not get this next one, but, you know. I skipped all the S series. I skipped the 5S, the 6S, and then I went straight from the 7 to the to the X. So Right, you did. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think just to reinforce this, um, 
I've uh, I've had the opportunity to do some trainings uh, with, with people, and sometimes uh, blind people, you know, they're given their first phone maybe by some funding or some grant or whatever, and they're holding on to these uh, five S's, you know, fives and fours and sixes, and uh, and then they're they're confused when I'm demonstrating something to the group. Well, my phone doesn't work like that. Okay. And then I was like, what kind of phone do you have? And a lot of times people don't even know what they've got. You know, they don't know the hardware. They don't know the software. And you can find that information under settings in general and a, and about, and it'll tell you what model you have. The hardware is the actual physical piece of equipment and the software is the, the software, obviously the, right, the, I, right. the operating system. Right. And right. Um, so it, people will say to me, but it's so expensive. I don't, you know, I'm not want to get a phone. And I'm like, okay, these phones are your lifeline. They're your color identifier. They're your book reader. They're your email access. They're your life Okay, and they replace so many of this other technology that has been developed. I jump in here, Rita. <laughs> what? Can I jump in here? Yes, go. Because I want to touch. I want to touch on what you just said about the ex- expensive. But I mean, I got to point to Windows a little bit here because you know you got to buy a eight hundred dollar laptop, and then Jaws is twelve hundred, depending fifteen hundred, whatever, depending on if you're getting the Home or Pro edition. But let's jump back over to the phone though. Because, I mean, 2010, maybe it was a little later than that, where we had to spend $300 on a phone and then turn around and pay $300 for mobile speak. $600, that's the same price you pay for an iPhone with the screen reader built into it, accessibility out the box, no side of help needed. I mean, I guess some people tend to forget that, but that's where we're at now. I mean, mobile speak was 300 Then if you wanted a fancy eloquence voice, you had to spend another 50 bucks for each voice. I mean, what was that? Uh, Code Factory. I mean, and I think they still do the same thing on uh, some of the Android phones. I mean, I don't use an Android, so I couldn't tell you, but I know that they still make that suite of apps that you can use for, you know, talk back and all that on there too. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just pointing that out that you spent the same amount few years back that you can spend on one device with everything built into it instead of having to jump through hoops to get everything to work with one device. Right, right. Absolutely. Now, let me, as I said, let me just present the other side of the coin. Okay. There's nothing wrong with keeping your phone for a couple years or a few years. I know people who have done that. They're perfectly happy with it. As a matter of fact, my wife is one of them. She doesn't upgrade every time. Um, The last phone she had before, well, no, she, the last one she had was was a 10R like me, and now she's got an 11. But before that, I, I don't remember if she had a, a 6S or a, I don't know. My, my parents are still on iPhone 10s. I know people that have 6Ss, and they're doing fine. So we're not, we're not criticizing you. You understand? There's nothing wrong with keeping your phone a few years, and they are designed to last a few years. Doesn't, doesn't Jessica still have an iPad Air 2 or Air 1, yeah, I mean? Yep, yep, yep. She's got an iPad Air 2. Yeah, that's a great example. She does, yes. And that's yes. 2015, if I'm not mistaken. It's 2014, actually. Okay. But now that's about to change because she's my parents got a new iPad Pro and they're giving her their 10.5 2017 iPad Pro. So that's she's about to get a little bump, you know, speed bump there. Uh, but she yeah, she just doesn't, you know, have the same desire to upgrade. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. So it's about 
finding the balance that works for you. And I know that everybody's finances are different and that dictates a lot of this too. What I would say to you as, as the guidance is this, to try to sum it up, just my personal opinion, if you cannot run the current version of iOS anymore, then it's time to upgrade. I, do you guys agree with that on the team? Is that a fair uh, Yes, and correct, because these apps, these they're maximized for the latest operating software, okay? And the apps that we depend on so much uh, as blind people, Bard, uh, you know, Seeing AI, uh, Be My Eyes, they're all maximized for the latest software. And if correct. your hardware cannot you you know cannot access this latest it's not going to run correctly and so these devices are just we use them so much that you know the price i think is worth it it's so worth it right right so so if you can't run the latest software that's probably a good time to seriously think about it if you haven't already done so and while we're on that subject and then we're going to get to the you know the iphone hardware considerations and all that. But while we're on that subject, what devices will run iOS 14, which is you know going to come out in the next couple of months? We don't have a release date yet. Uh, some of us are already using it in beta, but it will be out to the public. You know What devices are going to run that? And the answer to that is, if you can run iOS 13, your device will run iOS 14. Is that correct, guys? I don't think I misread that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so, so iPhone 6S and newer, iPad Air 2 and newer, all the iPad Pros, iPad 5th, 6th, and 7th generation, and all of the, no, only the iPod Touch, whatever the latest model is. Um, so yeah, if you can run iOS 13, you're going to be able to run iOS 14. And that's, uh, you know, that's a great thing to sort of keep in mind as a, as a kind of a, a measuring rod, you know, and because what you're going to want to do is you're going to, you know, you got to keep, here's the thing, all of these, all this stuff that we're talking about, all these security fixes and stuff like that occur because you are installing new software. I know it can be some, you know, people can get nervous about it because, you know, well, are there going to be bugs in it? Are there going to be problems with, you know, the apps that I depend on? And, and that has happened at times, but it's not actually very often, you know, most Matt, of the time. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. No, 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 it's fine. So I just, I, <laughs> first off, I feel like you're picking on me. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to speak to, I just wanted to mention, because it's, it's just so funny about what you're, and, and so true about what you're saying about when to upgrade for a phone, because I am the kind of person that, um, well, first off, I tend to buy my, I tend to get my phones. I don't pay for them outright, like, like at once. So I tend to do the payment plan with my carrier. Right. And, and so it's two years minimum anyway. Right. You know, right. And right. then, um, but then, and then all of a sudden that price went down. My, my phone bill went down exponentially. Right. And, and I got really used to that. And the price of oh, my yeah. bill helped to mitigate some of the problems that I was experiencing because I had a five, an iPhone six. Um, I think I had a six S probably. Um, it's one of them. And, and I'm just here to tell you, 
that that price made me run that phone into the ground. Like apps would crash and I'm like, but okay, it's still cheaper. And at one point the battery, the condition, the battery condition was at 72%. Oh my. And so <laughs> it would just, you know, my phone would go from a hundred percent to, to 7% and maybe 45 minutes. So I mitigated that by buying a, a um, portable charger. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. You know, and there are just some things that happen where you will start using or that phone bill that looks so nice. I know well, this is probably a great argument to just buy the darn thing outright, but you know, it will make you, you put up with things that you would normally not put up with. And then yes. when and yep. I jumped from, it took me four years. Um, and that's why I was laughing when you said that you do yours like every two. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I went from an iPhone um, I believe it was a six. I went from an iPhone six to an iPhone 11 pro. Yes. And, yep. and it was like, a jump. I'd forgotten that things open that fast. <laughs> you know, that it restarts so fast. And all of a sudden, and my battery life, like I just remember getting the phone and being like, it's still at 96%, yeah. you know? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So there's definitely... And, and I'm on the other side of that coin, Mika, because I'm one of those who would stand in the line for an hour every year and get the new one and pay it outright so my phone bill wouldn't be up there. And then I'd sell it and go to the line next year, drop me off at 5 o'clock so I can be the first person. Then I'm going to go to 4 o'clock. I'm oh, one of those no. People who, I, I, I was, I was <laughs> one of those people at that. I was one of those people who would stand in the line and tweet and tell you what line I what person I am in the line and oh. what phones they had and and I would send it into the <laughs> listserv and I would give people you know up to the minute updates on Twitter and Instagram and everything so yeah I, I was one of those <laughs> well I tell you what I have I have well first of all several things there Mika I really appreciate what you're saying and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually talk some about that whole financing thing in a little bit anyway versus you know the outright thing secondly yes I I must apologize I would never want to uh, make you feel like I'm picking on you. We love. Oh, you I'm too, just teasing. We, I'm know, good. <laughs> well, I know. Well, actually, a lot for a lot of times, if we pick on you, that is an indicator that we love you. I mean, just ask Cliff. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, there's a lot of love for Cliff. No. <laughs> so uh, we pick on him every chance we get. But no, you know, it's it's uh, it. What's funny about I used to do, and I never stood in line because I don't have an Apple store near me. But I did used to. I mean, I'm always up late anyway, so it was like three. 01 a.m. that you could start ordering because it was midnight Pacific time and they would make the, you know, the, the thing available. And I used to actually do it that way. So I would order it on launch day. Now it's been a few years since I've done that because I'm not in sync with the, the launch cycle anymore. So, you know, like this particular iPhone that I got I got in May. Well, if Verizon hadn't messed it up in the first place and wanted to launch theirs in January, so Apple would push it all the way back to October, we would still get it in June. Yes, that's (laughs) probably true. (laughs) So um, what I want to talk about next is the different um, options that you have when it comes to the phones in the current lineup, just again, to give you an idea don't hold us to that because we don't know what's coming in the fall. And then I want to talk about the very thing that Mika had just brought up, which is the bill, the cost, the financing, what ways to buy, and maybe some tips uh, is, you know, if you do want to buy quickly, how you can recover some of that cost. So let's first talk about the current line 
of iPhones as it stands right at this particular second. If you were to decide today, I must have a new iPhone and I don't want to wait, go to the Apple Store app or you know whatever, my carrier, however you're going to do it. We'll talk about that. But what are the current models that you can get? Now, I'm not including refurbished in this. I'm not including leftovers. I'm talking what Apple is actively selling right now. And for that, you have the very top of the line, which is the iPhone 11 Pro and Pro Max. You then go down to the iPhone 11, and they also still sell the 10R. And finally, they sell the iPhone SE second generation. Hey, Matt, if you have $10,000, you can buy an iPhone on eBay with Fortnite already installed. Don't get me started on that soap. (laughs) 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 Yes, we will be here all day and we will not accomplish what we're trying to do. (laughs) So anyway, yes. (laughs) What? Don't go there. (laughs) Right, 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 right. So yes, that is true though. But yeah, so um, the the way that this works, you know, one of the first things, now there's a lot of people that try to look at what they're going to do with their phones. But I'm going to tell you something. Every iPhone that Apple makes is equally capable. They're all going to be able to do, just like with the iPads, you know, they're all going to support video editing. They're all, they're all going to support music creation. They're all going to support the more basic stuff of, you know, word processing and browsing the web and doing email. They're all going to support all the apps, they're all going to support, you know, people use the camera for, you know, seeing AI or or different things like that, or maybe even for taking pictures. They're all going to be decently good at doing all of those things. Some of them will be a little faster at it. Some of them might be able to do more tasks at once, you know, and some of them might have slightly better cameras. That's the kind of thing we're going to talk about. But let's begin with a discussion about the basics, the authentication method, and the display. Now, I know for those of us who can't see, we're not too worried about what the display looks like. But I just want to explain that the iPhone 11 Pro and Pro Max have a, uh, they have what's called an edge-to-edge OLED or OLED display. And we won't get into all the technology there, but basically that's the best display you can buy on a smartphone right now. Now, right up there, just about as, you know, really, really close second, almost indistinguishably close, is what's on the iPhone 11 and the 10R, which is the liquid retina display. All right, that's as close to edge to edge as a non-OLED display will ever be. And that is a fantastic display also. What's probably more relevant is to talk about the screen sizes because This does make a difference even to those of us who cannot see because it's screen real estate for navigating with voiceover, for typing on screen, you know, for moving things around, app icons, and whatever it is that we want to be able to do. And also, it can affect the overall size of the phone, but we're going to talk about that. Now, again, keep in mind, this could be totally different in another month or two when Apple releases its new hardware. I don't know if they'll go with the same screen sizes. You know, they don't always. Nothing that says they have to. But let's just talk about the current screen sizes that there are. So what you have in the 11 Pro and Pro Max, the 11 Pro is a 5.8-inch display. You know these are measured diagonally. In other words, if you take... Rumor has it that there will be a 5.4. So they're talking 6.5, the one you just said, uh, 5.8, 6.1 for the 
lower end model, which would be the 11, I guess, and 5.4. Like I said, a rumor has it. That's what they that's, say. Yeah, but, that's right. I saw that too. But the source yeah. that I follow is pretty accurate all the time. So Right, right. So if you if you want to understand these screen sizes, again, we're talking diagonally, like you, you would trace your finger from, let's say, the top left corner of the screen to the bottom right. That That's diagonal. That's how these are measured. So you, you have the 5.8, which is the 11 Pro, and then you have the 6.5 inch, which is the 11 Pro Max, by far the largest one they've ever made. The iPhone 11 and 10R are actually a 6.1 inch. So they're larger than the 11 Pro but smaller than the Pro Max. Now, a lot of people think when you get into phones of this size, they're going to be really, really big and bulky. And some of them remember back to the days of the 6 Plus and the 6S Plus and so on. And they say, boy, I don't want a phone that's that big. And, you know, the 6 Plus and 6S Plus were only 5.5-inch displays. And so this 6.1-inch, you know, 11 or 6.5-inch Pro Max, it's got to be much bigger than those plus-size phones. That's actually not true. It's possible to have a smaller form factor with a larger display because of the new technology that allows for us to have edge-to-edge displays on our phones. And because of that, and because of the other thing which we haven't even talked about yet, which is the removal of the home button, because of those things, you can have a bigger display on a smaller form factor device. So just keep in mind that screen size is not necessarily directly proportional to the overall size of the phone. So you want to, you know, if you really have concerns, if you really have questions, you know, maybe try to find one you can get your hands on. I know that's especially hard and and maybe even nerve-wracking right now during the, you know, COVID times, but you know, keep in mind if, if the the um the 10R and the 11 are the same as each other in size and in screen real estate. And then 11 Pro is equivalent to the 10S and the iPhone 10 and the 11 Pro Max is equivalent to the 10S Max. All right, if that means anything to you. Now, the other phone we haven't talked much about is the iPhone SE second generation. It is the same size and overall form factor as the iPhone what? Not the iPhone SE first generation, but the iPhone 8. The iPhone SE second generation really is the successor to the iPhone 8. It's just they've changed the name because we've gone all the way to 11. We're not going to go back to iPhone 9. That just wouldn't make sense, right? I mean, I can't speak for Apple, but i got to believe that was an influence. So this SE second generation really is a 4.7-inch diagonal display, which is the exact same as the iPhone 8, which is the exact uh, same as the iPhone 7 and 6, just not the Plus model, okay? And... The next thing I want to talk about is the home button with touch ID versus face ID and everything to consider there. Is there a right or a wrong? Absolutely not. It's personal preference. A lot of Apple's products and very, very good ones still use touch ID and still have home buttons. iPad 7th generation, iPad Air 3, I uh, what else? Uh, um, the MacBooks, all the MacBook Pros, and MacBook Airs now have Touch ID. So there is nothing wrong with Touch ID. It is a very secure system. It works very, very well. It is tremendously convenient. And some people really like the feel of a button. And uh, now the I will point out that the buttons on the iPhone uh, SE 2 really are not button. It's not a home button at all. 
it's a, a sensor that feels like a button. And when you press it, as long as the phone is turned on, it actually feels like you're pressing a button, but it really is not a button at all. It's just a little haptic sensor. So really they have taken home buttons away a lot longer ago than we might've thought, at least on the iPhone iPads still use a physical home button that actually physically depresses, but the iPhone hasn't since all the way back to the iPhone 7. So it's a, it's a little haptic sensor, but it acts like a home button, and they call it a home button. So that is um, a perfectly acceptable and perfectly fine solution for those people who prefer Touch ID. But we also need to talk about face id and and i want to dispel some of these you know rumors and and misunderstandings about face id because face id really is a fantastic system and apple says it's a bit more secure even than touch id all right but either way it's really really solid and it is accessible to those of us who cannot see even if we don't have real eyes it is doable. You don't have to stare at it. You don't have to get you know direct eye contact or any of these things that we may have worried about when the rumors started flying that Apple was introducing facial recognition. It is not iris scanning. All right. It is face scanning. And the next rumor that I want to talk about is that, oh, I have to be in a light, uh, you know, a, a bright room. I can't be in dark conditions. So, you know, at night when I'm in bed, it's not going to work. That is not true because face ID does not depend upon the lighting in the room around you. Face ID uses what's called a dot projector system that actually makes a, creates almost like a 3d map of your face. And so there is no visible light needed for that to work about the only potential hindrance to Face ID would be, you know, wearing a, a face covering, which they've already addressed that in the software to say that if it, you know, detects that you're wearing a mask or something, it's just going to immediately ask for the passcode. It's not even going to bother, you know, trying. And, you know, twins can potentially present a, a challenge to face ID. But otherwise, this system is the latest thing that Apple offers. It's enabled them to remove the home button and to provide new gestures to accomplish the same things that we've always done before. And it's also enabled them to add this really awesome, really fun, true depth camera system, which is needed for Face ID, but which is also able to be used for other really cool things like Animoji and Memoji, which are so much fun. And I don't know as we, I know we talked about the message effects. Um, and I'm trying to think when we did that, if we talked about Animoji and Memoji. Maybe, Mika, you'll have to remind me later whether we did a, a session on that, because if we didn't, it would be a good one to do, because um, Memoji and Animoji are so much fun. They're, they're just really, really cool. We definitely and talked about it. Um, it came up during your the, mess, the iMessage um, class that you were teaching. Okay, so we did at least in that context. Yes. Just in, in the, okay, okay, yeah. And so this is, you know, where we can put our face on some other animal or creature, you know, and, and do really cool things with it, or we can, and it's an animated thing, or, or we can make our own Memoji. So it's our own, um, face, our own, you know, and, and again, there's tons of, uh, options, whether it's, you know, for, um, for glasses, you know, for piercings, for, uh, facial hair. I mean, you just go crazy with this and it's all, it's a lot of fun, but that's all enabled because of the necessary technology that's used in face ID. One of my favorite things about Face ID, I think, is just how quick it is. You know, I mean, it's just so instant. 
And, but I know that it's working because if you don't hold it up to your face, it, you know, you don't get in, but it really is fast. And it's really quick when you're using Apple pay to make purchases because you, you know, you just hold it up to your face for a split second and it's, it works. So face ID is nothing to worry about. Again, there's nothing wrong with touch ID, but you've got to decide which route you prefer to go when it comes to purchasing your phones. Now, beyond that, all of these phones have modern processors. All of them have really, really good cameras now. Of course, the best cameras are currently available on the 11 Pro and Pro Max. That, that's going to give you this triple lens camera system on the back of the phone. And the iPhone 11 has a dual camera system. The iPhone 10R has a single camera system. Um, I've got to admit, I don't remember where the SE second gen fits into that. I, I should have looked that up. I can't remember now. I feel like it uses the iPhone 11 camera system, the, the dual camera. Um, but either way, whatever it's using, it, it is using the latest technology. And this is important because we do use our cameras. You know, some of us take photos and videos with them. But even if we're not doing that, maybe we're using seeing AI or, or be my eyes or something. Um, and so we, you know, voice dream scanner, all of those things depend upon the camera. So these latest devices, they do have absolutely fantastic camera systems on both the front and the back of the device. Now, we've also not talked about storage. And storage is one of those factors that's going to determine maybe which version of a particular model you get, right? So, you know, there's multiple storage options. There's a lot of them, I think, in the phones have 64 and 128, 256, and 512, all of these gigabytes, right? And, you know, my general philosophy has always been that storage is, is something you can always find a way to use. And so I always got the higher end of things when I was, you know, shopping for iPhones. Now, recently, I've started getting sort of the middle, which is like the 128. My, I have a 128 gig iPhone 11. And that has done fine. It's done very well. And I'm not, you know, too concerned about that. So the biggest thing I would encourage you to do is just not get the smallest one. Although I will admit that Apple has now taken the smallest all the way up to 64 gigs. They're not offering these 16 gig iPhones anymore, which, you know, is, is good because the 16 gig would not go very far at all. So 64 gigs will go pretty far, but usually it's only like $100 to upgrade from 64 to 128. So you've doubled that storage with $100. So, you know, to me, that 128 is a good place to start. Again, that's personal preference. Some people want even more than that. But I would, uh, and that's fine. I would caution you about thinking you don't need it because I've had a lot of customers who come to me to buy, especially locally, you know, and they come to me to buy an iPad or an iPhone and they'll say, well, all I want to do with it is, you know, and, and it'll be two or three things. The only things I want to do with my device are, and, and, you know, they'll name two or three things. Okay, that's fine. You know, they get their device and then they love it so much. They see what it's capable of doing. And before you know it, they're asking me to do things they never thought they would do before. Well, how do I use this to, to watch TV and play music? You know, how, how do I use this to, uh, you know, to, to create documents? You mean I can, I, can, uh, I can do my spreadsheets right here on my iPad and my iPhone? You know, all of these things and more. 
and they end up taking up more space than they ever thought they would because they're doing more than they ever thought that they would do. So I would caution you against the idea of saying, well, I'm only going to do this. So I'm going to, you know, get the lowest storage. I would, as I say, I, I think the 128, in my personal opinion, is a good place to start. Some people maybe need even more than that. So let's also, let's discuss how do I buy my phone? Do I go through Apple? Do I go through my carrier? Do I finance it? You know, what, what are my different options that I have available to me? And there are several. Now, the basics are Apple or your carrier, right? So I can buy my phone from the Apple store, which, you know, I can do online with the app or by giving them a call at 1-800-MY-APPLE. Um, I could go into an Apple store if there are any available. And then the other option I have is through the carrier, you know, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, whatever. You can, you know, get your phone through them. It's the same phone. They don't do anything to it. They're not allowed to. That's an agreement they have with Apple. Uh, they're not allowed to, you know, make a, uh, a t- you know, an AT&T branded iPhone, you know, that, that looks different, that has different apps or anything like that. You know, they're not, they don't, they can't do that. Uh, the SIM card that you get does provide access to those services. You know, so if you go into settings, you'll see, you know, AT&T services available versus T-Mobile or Verizon, you know, whatever. But they're not allowed to customize the phone. So you're not getting anything less by going through one versus the other. So what would be the reasons that we might want to choose one over the other? Well, the most common reason is whatever deal is being offered at a given time. Because the carriers especially will offer these things, you know, well, if I buy one iPhone, I get a second one free. Or if I add a new line of service, I get a free iPhone 11, you know, or these kinds of things. And these are very, very compelling reasons, obviously, to get your phone through a carrier. Now, both the carriers and Apple do offer interest-free financing. And this, I think, is probably what you were talking about, Mika. And I have done this several times. This is usually how I get my iPhones as well. Like, for example, they have AT&T Next, Verizon, what's Verizon call it? Verizon Up or something like that. Every one of them has this program, which is basically interest-free. You get your phone for no money down and you pay it off over a period of you know, 18 or 24 months at least. And you've, by the time you're done with that, you've paid the full retail price of the phone. And as long as you're making your monthly payments, as long as you're staying with the same carrier, they're going to let you, you know, live your life in peace, right? They're not going to, they're not going to bother you. You just keep making those monthly payments and it, you know, that's fine. And I will say, this is how I've gotten most of my phones. The problem that I find is exactly what Mika said. Like you get into this two years and you just finished paying it off. And now that bill looks so much better because especially if you've got more than one person in the family who got a phone at the same time, you know, now your bill has dropped tremendously and you don't want to buy a new device right away to get it back up there, you know? And I'll tell you this, I, I have a problem for that very reason uh, being tied to the carrier for that many months. I have a problem paying on the device for that many months because I think, man, by two years, I'm going to want a new phone, you know? But a lot of times I still do it because it is a lot easier to pay $0 down and, you know, 30 or $40 a month than it is to, you know, pay eight or $900. Now, not all the 
phones are eight or nine hundred dollars. The iPhone SE is only four ninety nine, and uh, the iPhone ten R I think is maybe five ninety nine or five forty nine. I mean, they're very very reasonable prices for some of these. But it's just the idea: if I'm going to spread this out, by the time that twenty fourth month is up, I'm going to be ready for a new phone, and I'm constantly paying on it. So it's a personal preference thing. There's no right or wrong. I've done it, and I typically do it. But I will say what I've started doing more recently as, you know, praise God, I've been able to do it is, is I've been paying them off sooner. And that way I have some freedom to decide I want to upgrade sooner or I just want a few months without paying it, you know. And that's what I plan to do this time because we all got new phones. And um, the, now I, I will talk about if you get the phone through Apple, you get it from the Apple store, there are a few benefits to this. Now, they'll still finance. There's a couple ways you can finance through the Apple store. My favorite way is the Apple Card installment program. The Apple Card installment program is obviously for Apple Card holders. So you either have to already have an Apple Card or you apply for one at the time you make your purchase. And assuming that it's approved, you know, you're good to go. And what they then do is they just give you interest-free financing on the price of the phone and they put it on your Apple Card every month and you pay it as part of your Apple Card bill and eventually it's paid off. Just like with any other financing option, you can pay early if you want to do that and that's fine. Uh, they also have, for non-Apple Card holders, they, uh, they have the, what's known as the iPhone upgrade program. That is, uh, that's done through Citizen One Bank and it's the same concept where they'll, um, you know, they'll, they'll give you the phone up front and you pay on it each month. And I believe with that program, you can even include the Apple care plus in there, although they've, that's changed now anyway, the way they structure that. So maybe we'll talk about that if we have time, but, uh, basically, even if you go through Apple, you have choices to get it financed. You don't have to pay for it up front. Now, what are the benefits of getting it through Apple like this? Well, one of the biggest benefits for some people is it's unlocked. So now we need to talk about this topic of unlocked versus locked phones and what do they mean? And why should I care? By the way, why should I really care? If I'm not going to switch carriers, why should I care? I'll tell you exactly why you might want to care. Because maybe you want to sell your existing phone to someone else. See, one of the ways that I've been able to upgrade so quickly is because I can sell my previous phone and still get some money from it and you know, either sell it to someone I know or sell it on eBay or something like that. But if you're going to sell your phone, the first question that someone's going to ask you, at least if they're doing their homework, the first question they should ask you is, is your phone going to work on my carrier? All right, so now enter the topic of locked versus unlocked. And I want to be very, very clear with you, this has nothing to do with Apple. We use the term activation lock for the Find My app when the Find My iPhone feature is enabled uh, on your iCloud account, you know, so your device can't be stolen. And if it is, it can't be used by someone else and all that. This has nothing to do with that. This is an entirely separate topic of locked and unlocked phones. This has to do with being locked to a specific carrier. So here's what happens. Probably because the carriers are being so generous to you as to basically front you the money, right? Give you the phone up front and then, you know, assume you're going to pay it off over two years or whatever. They sell the phone locked. That means it is tied to the carrier that sold it to you. You buy it from AT&T, it is locked to AT&T. And any company, it doesn't apply just to AT&T. If you're financing it 
it is locked. Okay. And so that means that if I try to take that phone to a different carrier, I put a different carrier SIM card in it, it's going to say, um, error. I don't know exactly what it says. It's something like, you know, uh, you, you have inserted an unsupported SIM card. Please remove the SIM card and, and try, you know, whatever. And you can't get past that. I mean, this is a very important thing to understand. You're not going to get service if you do that. So the phones that are being financed through a carrier are always locked. Now, once you pay off that, uh, you know, installment plan with your carrier, you can request that they unlock the phone and they have to do it. Um, and, and as I'll explain in a minute, that means that maybe your phone will work on another carrier, but there's still another aspect, but let me finish this discussion first. So if you buy a phone through a carrier, it's typically carrier locked. Certainly if you buy it on an installment plan through a carrier, it is absolutely locked to that carrier. Okay. And that is an important factor when, or if you decide to try to sell the phone later, or if you want to move to another carrier. You know, maybe you're just going to bite the bullet and pay off that installment plan in one lump sum so you can move to another carrier because you just, you know, found a better deal or you're discontented with your current carrier, whatever. Well, you're going to have to ask them to unlock it after it's paid off because otherwise it will not move. It, you know, it won't work on another carrier. It is locked. Now, phones that you buy from Apple, on the other hand, can be unlocked. How do you know whether they're going to be locked or unlocked? Well, here's where it gets a little bit convoluted, but I'm going to try to keep it simple. When you go to the Apple Store app, for example, and you, you, know, you choose the iPhone that you want, they're going to say, how do you want to buy this? Do you want to do it on your current uh, AT&T plan through AT&T's financing? Do you want to buy it outright from Apple for you know, $5.99 or whatever it is? Or do you want to do Apple financing, which would either be Apple Card monthly installments or the iPhone upgrade program? Anything that involves the carrier is locked to the carrier. Even if you buy it through Apple, if you say, I want an AT&T financing plan on it, that's AT&T locked. But if you say, I want Apple financing, if you buy it either directly outright and just pay for it up front, or you finance it through the Apple card installments, those are not locked. Those phones come to you unlocked. They can go on any of the carriers that you choose. And so that was what influenced me this time because I had my previous phone paid off. I said, you know what? I don't want to be tied to a carrier. I'm going to hopefully find one that I like a little better than Sprint, uh, I said. But I said, I I still don't want to be tied to the carrier for two years. I just don't want to do that. But I will be tied to Apple. I don't mind being tied to Apple, right? (laughs) Because when it comes to that, I'm not going anywhere. So I, I don't mind being indebted to Apple for two years. That's fine. So I said, I'm going to do Apple Card monthly installments. So here's how it worked out for me. I did the trade-in program with Apple. I told them, hey, I got this 10R. Well, they already knew that. And uh, I said, I want to trade this in. And they gave me a very generous offer. Maybe you could argue I could have sold it outright for a little more, but it was the best trade-in offer I got. Like if you've ever heard of any of these companies like Gazelle, you know, where you can sell your stuff for cash or whatever, this is better than what Gazelle would have offered me for sure. And it was, you know, in the form of Apple Store credit. So basically what happened is I got an iPhone 11, 128 gigabytes, which should have been, I think, if I'm not mistaken, seven or $800. And I got day one, $300 off the top of that. So what was financed on my Apple card 
was a lower amount so that basically I'm only paying $18 a month for, I think is what it is, or, you know, I'll pay it off sooner. But I got instant Apple cash. Remember we talked about the Apple card, how you get those daily cash rewards. I got instant Apple cash on the whole amount right away. Day one that, that came to my Apple cash balance. And now I'm just paying on the phone every month. The phone came to me unlocked. I decided to go with AT&T. So I got a SIM card from AT&T. Unfortunately, you can't use the eSIM on an iPhone for your primary account. AT&T does support eSIM, but it has to be a secondary one, not, not your main number. Don't know why, but that's not true with the iPad. I've shared with you before, you can always sign up right on the iPad. You can't do that with the phone. They had to send me a card, but no big deal. I got it in a day. It was free. It came the same day as my iPhone. And, you know, we just, my son put the SIM card in, called the number, and, you know, it was active with less, within less than five minutes. And now, if I do decide to stay with AT&T, I can still get unlocked phones through Apple and then just replace the existing plan. So I don't even have to worry about, you know, buying a new SIM card or, or getting a new SIM card or whatever. It'll just come in the phones already. So it really was the way to go. This Apple card monthly installment, you get an unlocked phone. I can put it on any carrier that I choose to put it on. And because I don't owe the carriers anything, I could change anytime I want. Now, let me be clear. I'm perfectly happy with AT&T. And I also have TV service through them now. So I'm really not planning on leaving AT&T. But if I wanted to, I could do it today. And the only thing they'd say to me is, hey, did you pay off this month's bill? Yep. Okay. Bye. All right. They can't do anything else because I don't have my phone financed through them. My phone is financed through Apple. And that was that is another option. And it's an option I'm really a big fan of. Now, having said that, I want to point out one other thing about this. I'm trying to keep this simple, but I'm trying to also come up with all the scenarios you might face and the things you might hear so that you understand what you're getting out of this and what you, you might not be getting. For, my, uh, for the rest of my family, um, my wife, my son, my daughter doesn't have a phone yet, but she will eventually, and um, a couple in-laws too. Um, they actually went with Xfinity Mobile, which is done through Comcast, as we are Comcast internet customers. And they have some really, really good deals for their customers. And they, they even had a deal where you get half price on a new iPhone. Well, I couldn't beat that with anything else because they didn't have enough to trade in. I mean, we looked at it both ways, you know. I couldn't beat that. So they got their phones through Xfinity Mobile. Now, here's the kicker. They are paying half price every month. And that will be true right till the, till the end, till they pay it off because that, that was the promotion, okay? However, if I call Comcast today and I say, uh, hey guys, I want to buy their phones so I don't have to make these payments anymore. Do you think they're gonna charge me the half price or the full price of the phone? Instructors on the team, you wanna take a stab at that? Maybe they're not available. Uh, where they go? <laughs> I don't know where they went. I don't know. What, what, I'm going to take, take a shot at it. I'm going to say probably full price. You're exactly right. So even though I'm able to get uh -huh. it for half price, that is only if I stay tied to them for 24 months. If I call them today and say I want to buy the phone, they're going to charge me the remainder of the full price, which is not the case with my Apple Card one because there I got that, that on a trade-in. So what I would owe is, is strictly the lower balance. So that's another one of those little, you know, little catches just to keep in mind. Now, having said that, I'm probably still going to do it because I really don't want to pay. I mean, it's nothing wrong with it. I'm not opposed to it 
in a moral sense, please understand, I'm not, you know, criticizing anybody. I do it too. I'm not opposed to it, but I just don't want to pay on a phone for two years because it's going to be ancient by then. You know, so I probably will, <laughs> will still just grin and bear it and say, yeah, I know I'm paying on the phone, but I want to pay it off anyway. You know, I'm probably still going to do that, but it, it's just something else to keep in mind when you're making these decisions of which way do I go and where do I get these, you know, these phones and these devices. Um, now, just, the last thing- just to re- just to reinforce your yeah. thing about the Apple purchasing on Apple Card, um, the that three percent cashback is really attractive because it's it's like money makes you know when you're in the positive it's like success makes it grows success you know what i mean so if you you're gonna buy the thing anyway okay so if you buy it then you you get this three percent uh back and it's just it's awesome it's a wonderful thing and by the way that apple cash that daily cash with the apple card i know we you know had a presentation a couple weeks ago about apple pay and all that um they've added a couple new places Uh, if you recall me saying some places you get three percent daily cash and some places you only get two or one. They've added a couple new places to the 3%. They already had Walgreens, of course, anything Apple. And I think T-Mobile, they've added Panera Bread. So you go to Panera Bread, it's 3% daily cash. And they've also added Exxon Mobil. So anybody who's got family who drives or you're buying gas, I'm going to start using my Apple card with Apple Pay for that. Uh, I think they make you do it through an app or something like the Exxon Rewards app or something. But who cares? I mean, it's 3% daily cash, you know. So, <laughs> um, so I think that's pretty cool. Um, there is one other thing I want to mention back to the, the topic of the unlocked versus the locked phones. There is a small chance that just because your phone is unlocked, it may still not work on certain other carriers. I don't know if that's true with the current model of phones, but I know with the 10 series phones, they made two versions of those phones. Okay. They made, uh, what's called a CDMA version and a GSM version. And for those of you who don't know what that means, it really doesn't matter except that um, AT&T and T-Mobile and all of its little subsidiary ones like Cricket Wireless and stuff, they're, they're GSM. And Verizon is CDMA. And I don't even mention Sprint anymore because they're a non-issue. They've been bought by T-Mobile. So Verizon is, is the only CDMA carrier here in the US along with its smaller uh, subsidiaries, including Xfinity Mobile, by the way, because Xfinity Mobile is a mobile virtual network operator uh, using the Verizon network. All right. So what happens is there's a CDMA version of the iPhone 10 and there's a GSM version of it. The, the CDMA version works on any carrier. You can move it over even to a GSM carrier. And of course, if you buy it outright from Apple, that's what you're going to get also. But if you buy the GSM version of it, it only works on GSM carriers. It actually lacks the physical chip. They put a different modem in it. It's like, you know, maybe uh, Samsung and Qualcomm or something. I don't remember which two were, you know, doing it in the iPhone tens, but like two different companies made the chips for it. And they actually used a different modem. So if you bought your iPhone 10 series through AT&T or T-Mobile, you will never be able to use it on Verizon or Sprint in its current form. You will, you will have, you can use it on any GSM. So you can take it to, you know, from AT&T to T-Mobile or vice versa. You can take it to Cricket. You can take it to US Cellular, but you would never be able to take it to, let's say, Xfinity Mobile or Spectrum Mobile or Verizon. If you have Verizon, however, or you bought it from Apple, then that one can go anywhere. I had a Sprint iPhone 10R that I got from Sprint and um, my parents ended up 
putting it on when I got, you know, through with it on, it wasn't mine, but another one in our family, uh, they used it on AT&T and we still had to have Sprint unlock it, but then, you know, that one was able to make the transfer. So if you're trying to sell a phone, the best thing you can do is to try to do a Google search. There isn't one definitive place unless you get a hold of the carrier itself. So if you if you have that relationship with the prospective buyer where you can say to them, "Hey, what is your carrier?" you can try to then find out. Like for example, when we were signing up for Xfinity Mobile, um there was a there was a, you know, a bring your own device page and they would actually ask you for some information. The primary information they wanted was what's known as the IMEI number. And you can find that number by going to settings, general, and about. And you'll see a bunch of different numbers, IMEI, ICCID, all these different things. The IMEI is the one that always stays with the phone. That's a hardware serial number, basically. And it will determine without a doubt which carriers the phone can work with but check with the carriers directly there's there's a few third party websites out there that claim to tell you the answers and sometimes they're free sometimes they're going to charge you but they're not 100% reliable so i would just recommend checking with the carriers if you are at all unsure um all right so here's where we are what else do you guys think we should let me see here it's um yeah, yeah, I think because we got about 15 minutes left. So any closing remarks from Rita or Cliff and then we're going to we're going to go to questions here. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, go ahead and take questions. Go ahead. And, uh, OK, take questions and it, we're, it's good. OK. OK. Hey, um, to raise your hand, if you're on a PC, it's Alt-Y. If you're on a Mac, it's Options-Y. If you're using your iPhone, there is a raise hand button. And if you are um, on your phone, it's star nine. And please remember, the hosts can no longer unmute you, so you will definitely be prompted to unmute. Um, I'm going to go to Karen. Let's see if that worked. Okay. Karen, you should be able to unmute yourself. I did. Um, hi. hi. Um, Matt, I love your presentations. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, okay. I would only purchase directly from Apple. I'm in New York City, so I have lots of Apple stores. Um, so my question would be, do they, I right now I have an iPad Air and I have a 6S Plus. So I, I'm guessing at least the iPad Air would need to be upgraded because I can't update it any longer. Or um, if I go to the Apple store, um, do they accept trade-ins on all merchant on all products or just certain ones? They do accept trade-ins on iPads. I don't know for 100% certain whether the iPad Air is still giving, if, if you're able to still get credit for that or if it's just a recycle due to its age. I don't know. It very well may still bring in some money, you know, in the form of Apple Store credit, Um the best thing I can tell you to do, and, and in fact, you know, you can do this if, if you are comfortable with it or, you know, if you give us a call here at TTJ, we can walk you through it. You can even do this without ever setting foot in an Apple store. Using the Apple store app on the iPhone or iPad that you have, you can uh, 
act as if you're going to buy an iPad, which I do it plenty of times in the app. But if you don't want to buy it, you can just still pretend and just not go through with it. And then they're going to say to you, you know, do you have one to trade in? And you will be able to, usually they know, because if it's signed into the same Apple account, they'll actually say, select the device you're trying to trade in. And they'll show you, you know, Karen's iPad Air, whatever, you know, but if not, if that's not available for some reason, then they'll just ask you like for your device serial number, and then it gives them everything they need. And they'll ask you a series of questions. Does it power on? Are there any cracks in it? Is there any liquid damage? You know, does the display work? All these kinds of, all the buttons work. And they will tell you whether or not you can get money, you know, in the form of credit towards your next purchase or not. If you find out that the answer is no, you can also check with Gazelle, um, G-A-Z-E-L-L-E, I believe, dot com. And it's the same kind of process. They'll ask you to identify your, you know, your system and stuff. Uh, now, my guess would be if Apple isn't going to give you credit, neither will Gazelle. But, you know, there is a third option of, of trying to sell it either on eBay or locally, you know, or a giveaway to a friend who, you know, doesn't have any device and you think it'd be better than nothing. I mean, there's a lot of options there for you. So I'm sorry, I don't have a definitive answer about the iPad Air, whether or not it's worth anything in Apple's eyes. But that is some, those are some tips on how you can find out. Okay. And next is Lucy. Lucy, you should be able to unmute yourself. I'm sorry, Lucy, try now. Okay. (laughs) Um, Hi there. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for your presentations. And I also love your classes. And I'm going to be taking a few. Um, awesome. I, I, I actually have a comment and a question. Um, the comment is, I, I'm with AT&T. And I normally, um, you know, have my phones until they're paid off. But one time, I wanted to upgrade before it was paid off. So I t- took it in my, my old phone into an AT&T store, and they allowed me to um, not really trade it, but to give it to them. And then I was able to, you know, upgrade to the next uh, series before it was paid off. So they didn't give me any cash for it, but they allowed me to, um, you know, to do that. And I, I think they still allow that. Yeah, there, there are there are windows for that. There are periods of time. There's a lot of nuances in that whole thing. But yes, you are correct. Sometimes that does work. And the, now my question is, I'm on a couple of uh, iOS lists and I've heard this term thrown around and I think it's probably illegal. Can you explain jailbreaking? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, it's, it's very much, um, I don't know if it's actually illegal in the sense that it's like a, you know, a criminal offense, but it is, it's very much not supported by manufacturers. So basically, the the short explanation of it is that, and this may be oversimplifying it a bit, but basically, you know, an Apple device can only accept apps from the App Store. And uh, there are some other exceptions for like enterprise apps and stuff. But basically, really, the only way to install an app for, you know, typical consumer is through the App Store. Um, If you jailbreak the device, which requires a special software patch done through a computer and all of this, you now have opened that device up to the uh, ability to access other online stores uh, that that, that download apps, install apps from other places. And it is very not supported by Apple because it makes the, um, or I should say, you know, it puts the device at risk of being affected by whatever kind of thing you install on it. You know, things that Apple would never allow uh, can, can cause harm to the device. Now, you know, I've heard people say, 
at times that, you know, they have used jailbroken devices for various reasons and they never had any problems, but it's certainly a much riskier way to work with your device. Not to mention that the process is really hard and yes. it was, I was yeah. way too lazy to try. <laughs> this is way too much work. And doesn't it also, isn't it also true that if you are found out to have jailbroken your device, that it also voids um, your warranty? Yes, I have heard that as well. Yep. Yep. Okay. Next question is um, from Sharon. There you are. I was like, where is the unmute button? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, So, hush, speech. I'm turning speech off so I don't have to keep hearing his avatar display. Um, (laughs) Okay. The the sensor on the iPhone SE second generation, you said it acts like an iPhone like a home button, but it's a sensor. If I, for example, double click home sensor, is that going to turn voiceover off? Well, yeah, the same things, the triple click will, it, it's a three. Yeah, it will. Okay. Triple It'll click act turns like the home button, it will act whether like it really is button. or not. That's right. Okay. That's right. Uh, what about, uh, is there any such thing as a iPhone nowadays that, see, I'm one of these dinosaur lovers. I still, it's a lot to ask me to even let my earphone jack up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was there. I understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got an old Apple. I've got an old Apple. Everything's Apple. <laughs> Love yeah. Apple. But yeah. uh, I've got a, an iPhone SE, like, first generation. And right, sure. It's holding up pretty well. I'm not exactly desperate to get rid of it. But right. when the time comes, I'm like, what am I going to get? I certainly don't want to get rid of my home button, which which makes me think, well, maybe iPhone SE second generation is in order. But does it have a, I assume they did away with the, uh, excuse me. Oh, never mind. Um, I Is there anything that has the uh, jack anymore? They don't have um, iPhones with headphone jacks anymore. Um, now there is an adapter you can buy and it's only like $9 or something from Apple. It's a little dongle that you can, if you still need to use that 3.5 millimeter, uh, jack for some reason, you can connect that to the lightning port, but no, they don't have any that have that built in anymore. Okay. Our next question is going to be from Hiel. Hiel, there should be something on your screen asking you to unmute. Hello. Thank you so much for the presentation. It's, it's really informative. Um, so Thank you. I, I do have a, a, a comment and a question. The comment actually just occurred to me because you mentioned the 3.5 adapter. Be careful with that because Apple sold me the Belkins brand and that one is $35. And that's with the, to be able to charge and use the 3.5. So, Make sure that when you go to the Apple store, you ask which exactly which adapter you're getting, whether it's the $9 brand that you'd probably get from Amazon um, and then or the the Belkin's brand. Right. You want to make sure you know what you want up front, because as you said, the Belkin one has the advantage of being able to charge the device at the same time as you are using the audio jack which the nine dollar one would not so it's you know, right kind of so i personally yeah. i was just surprised when i discovered the nine dollar one so yeah. <laughs> um so just a, i just wanted to ask for clarification as for the unlocking when if i decide to take my phone to apple 
and I'm under actually Boost Mobile, um, will they be able to, like, can I use it as a training? Does it have to be um, um, bought from from um, from the Apple Store, or can I? So it, it can still you can still do it. It does not have to be unlocked if all you're doing is trading it into Apple. Uh, if you want it unlocked, you have to go through Boost to do that. Though the Apple cannot unlock them for you, but um, you can you can leave it locked and and give it to Apple. That's not a requirement to to do the trade in program with Apple. Okay. Um, our next question, Sharon Strakowski, if you could unmute yourself, please. Okay, try again now, Sharon. I don't know why sometimes it won't. I swear I'm pushing enter on allow to talk. Okay, if you could unmute yourself, Sharon, there should be a mute button on your screen. There okay. we go. There okay. you are. Okay, very good. Are. Okay. Um, I am on my first iPhone, and um, I'm with Consumer Cellular, which uh, uses T-Mobile and AT&T. Yes. So if I were to get it from Apple, they said something to me about, having to get a specific SIM card from them? Correct. So if you buy it unlocked from Apple, uh, you you would have to uh, ask Consumer Cellular to send you a SIM kit, which is typically free, and okay. then you, you would have that. You know, now, uh, let me say, if you already have an iPhone and yeah. you were to upgrade, it's very possible that the same SIM card you already have can simply be taken out of that phone and put into the new one, unless you're trying to add a line and not, you know, swap phones, but yes. Right. Okay. And my other question is the actual act of upgrading. <clears throat> I heard something about where you can um, <clears throat> hold the phones close to each other and <clears throat> everything, <clears throat> excuse me, is transferred. Is that correct? Yeah, so there's a feature called <clears throat> automatic automatic setup, which um, is is in anything that's iOS, uh, I think eleven and newer maybe. And what it is is yeah, you you hold the old device up to the new one. It will transfer your Apple ID, your Wi-Fi information, and some of your most basic settings over to the new device. And then you'll have the option, do you want to restore from an iCloud backup? Do you want to set up as new? Do you want to literally copy the information from the old phone to the new one? How do you want to do that? You'll have a choice in that part. But yes, automatic setup is a great way to speed up the setup process for sure. And you want to make sure and have your stuff backed up to iCloud. Okay. All right. So um, I think that's all the questions that we're going to take for now, for today. Um, and I wanted to know if you all had some closing remarks. And Matt, if you could give out your give out um, TTJ contact information. Okay. All right, guys. Anything uh, from you first before we do that? No, I'm good. Uh, you might okay. want to mention the closing date on the classes, Matt, for the yes. August 31st. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll do that. All right. So yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, I hope this has been informative for you. Definitely, the time is coming when new phones will be released. So I thought this seemed like a good uh, thing to share with you. Uh, you know, probably not as exciting as some of them that we've done. And we'll, we'll have a lot more exciting ones coming up next week. We're going to talk about music. We're going to uh, focus on the Apple Music app and making playlists and whether or not we want to subscribe to Apple Music and even some other things like listening to radio stations and so forth and and getting lyrics identified. So it'll be a fun uh 
time together next Friday. But I thought this would be helpful. Hopefully it's meant something to you and, you know, it, it, it can help uh, your decision going forward. So if you do have other questions, you want to get in touch with us or whatever, uh, first of all, the web address is ttjtech.net. So that's TTJ, like Tango, Tango, Juliet, followed by the word tech, T-E-C-H, dot net dot net okay and there you can subscribe to the blog so you never miss anything all right we will give you email notifications whenever we post so make sure you get your email address entered in there and subscribe to the blog you can also uh get a hold of us purchase some of our services and we do have a lot of free online uh training as well as paid training and Right now, we're doing virtual help sessions every Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m., so you can learn all about those. Now, the classes that Rita was talking about, we are about to start a new season of free online training, Uh, anything from learning voiceover from the ground up to learning how to replace a computer with an iPad. We've got mini courses on various topics like cutting the cord and TV streaming and uh, home automation and financial health and Apple Pay and all these kinds of things and more. We're even going to do a month with the Mac for the first time uh, this this year. So all of these classes are completely free, but the space is very limited and we are filling up fast. So we are going to ask you to get on ttjtech.net and register no later than August 31st. That is our closing deadline for registration for these courses. And you can go to ttjtech.net and you can Um, use the uh, heading navigation to find where it says latest posts. And it's probably the third or fourth one down that that says attention, uh, registration now available or, you know, course registration, something like that. And you can go in there, you fill out a simple form to register, uh, pick the classes you want. You got to register for each one individually uh, and you're good to go. So again, that web address is ttjtech.net and we hope to see you there. All right. Thank you so much, Matt, for yet another, and team, for yet another really awesome presentation. (laughs) And Tyson, thank you for streaming. And everyone, thank you so much for attending.